Welcome back to the FDIC podcast, a place to talk about banks, banking, and your money. I'm Brian Sullivan with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Today, we talk about the state of our nation's community banks. In this country, there are more than 5,000 banks. Some are household names with trillions of dollars in assets. Other community banks are smaller by comparison, but are nonetheless critical to the financial health in their communities. Just how important are these community banks? And how are they holding up in this period of economic uncertainty? The FDIC just published the 2020 Community Banking Study, a look at the nation's community banks and the role they play in our broader economy. Joining us is Diane Ellis, director of the FDIC's research division, and Shana Aleshik, the FDIC's associate director for national and regional risk analysis. Diane, Shana, welcome. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Thanks for Brian. inviting us. Diane, uh, let's begin with you. Um, set the table for us. What is this study all about? Well, first of all, I'd like to mention why we uh, did the study. Uh, the FDIC insures all banks, and most of the banks, by number of banks, are indeed community banks. And we also are the primary federal regulator of most of the nation's community banks. So the FDIC has a strong interest in this sector, and therefore we regularly conduct research on issues that are important to community banks. Well, it was our chairman, Chairman McWilliams, who asked us earlier in 2020 to prepare a study as a follow-up to our 2012 comprehensive community bank study. Um, at the time, she had found that study very useful as a policymaker, and she wanted it to uh, wanted us to update it. So this study is another very comprehensive look at the community banking industry, and I think should be of interest to anyone interested in community banks in the U.S. You and your team looked at community banks from a lot of different angles. What did you focus on? Well, there are six chapters, so six primary areas of focus, and the first four are similar to the 2012 study and, and certainly necessary for a comprehensive study of community banks. They include things like community bank performance, structural change, um, which also includes consolidation, um, demographic changes, which are particularly important to the community banks in rural areas, of which there are many, and also um, notable strengths of community banks, including their uh, commercial real estate, small business, and agriculture lending. Two of the chapters are new compared to the 2012 study. Uh, they include one chapter on regulatory change and another on technology. Um, both of these issues have grown um, in importance uh, to community banks since 2012. So we thought it would be important, uh, it was important to focus on those issues. Okay. We'll, we'll get to both of those two issues in, in just a moment. Shana, let's dive into the meat of this study. What are the key findings from where you sit? Thank you, Brian. I agree. There are several interesting results to talk about, and I'm happy to highlight just a few here. First, I'll talk about structural change. It should come as no surprise that our study observed a continued trend of fewer banks in our country. We call that consolidation. To be more specific, between 2012 and 2019, about 2,000 banks ceased operation for one reason or another. Wow. This is a trend among both community banks and non-community banks. So it's important to talk about and highlight the cause of the consolidation. And this cause has changed from the prior study. 
As we move away from the financial crisis, bank failures have become less common. Now, voluntary mergers between unaffiliated institutions, in other words, banks that are not part of the same holding company, these were the primary causes of the decline in the number of banks since 2012. Also, even though the number of community banks has declined, their presence remains. Two statistics from the study illustrate this point. First, the community banks that closed in recent years, about two-thirds of these were acquired by other community banks. So community banks' presence is remaining in these areas. And importantly, more than 90%, or essentially all of the acquired community bank branches, remained open within a year after the acquisition. So community banks as a whole aren't going away. Well, that's good. Uh, although there are fewer of them, they don't appear to be failing. Rather, they're combining. Correct. Right. Okay, very good. You mentioned regulations, and not to judge whether bank regulations are good or bad, but following the Great Recession in 2008, everybody agrees there was a lot of change. What impact did all this change have on community banks and, and how they operate? I agree, Brian. Uh, during the last decade, the pace and volume of regulatory change affecting community banks, it's been intense. Our study finds that um, during this period between 2008 and 2019, there were 157 new rules and programs that applied to community banks. Wow. Now, that works out to one every 28 days. So all of these regulations, uh, keeping, keeping up with all of these regulations would have challenged any bank, but especially right. smaller community banks. So our study looks at how all this regulatory change influenced community banks. And I would point out two notable observations that boil to the surface. So first, there was a reduction in residential mortgage lending by smaller mortgage lenders. Now, to be clear, in aggregate, community banks are not reducing their mortgage holdings, but the smaller community banks are. And it's reasonable to think that regulations focused on mortgage lending are contributing to this trend. Now, secondly, there has been an increase in the amount of initial capital that small banks start off with. This suggests that the groups starting these new banks believe that the amount of capital they'll need to operate a new bank has increased. And we believe this is at least partially attributable to regulatory compliance costs. Mm -hmm. You know, Brian, I'd like to add here that um, it's, it's very difficult to empirically quantify um, uh, the scale economies that, uh, that, that may develop over time and also why banks um, make certain business, business decisions that they make. And so there may be a number of factors um, at work here, but I think our study points to the fact that um, the regulation certainly uh, should be considered one of the important factors driving, um, driving the change in the composition of mortgage lending and also um, the size of the initial capital contributions that new new owners are making. Right. Diane, in our previous podcast on the role community banks are playing in making loans to small businesses during 
our pandemic. Uh, loans made through the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. You told me that these generally smaller banks uh, are playing a huge role, uh, punching above their weight, as it were. Uh, what does this larger study say about the kinds of loans community banks are making? Sure. Well, it, it confirms that they are indeed sort of punching above their weight in a few areas, not just in PPP loans. Um, community banks, as you mentioned at the outset, tend to be relatively small, um, but they're commercial real estate, small business, that's where PPP loans, that's what small PPP loans are, small business right, loans, right. and agriculture loans, uh, their lending in these three areas far exceed their relative size within the overall banking industry. So while community banks account for just 15% of the banking industry's total loans, they hold 30% of commercial real estate, 36% of small business loans, and 70% of agriculture loans. So they're wow. clearly, yeah, they're clearly um, important uh, uh, important um, providers of credit in these areas. Mm -hmm. You brought up technology earlier, and with the explosion of digital and online banking, uh, how are community banks adopting technology compared to, say, non-community banks? Yeah, and that's definitely, as I indicated earlier, a, a, a significant trend that emerged uh, after our 2012 study. So it's definitely something we wanted to focus on. And it, it's kind of hard uh, given the lack of data, but um, we did rely upon some survey data from the Conference of State Bank Supervisors to do some uh, pretty creative analysis. Um, and we found that uh, several factors drove community banks' adoption of technology, including their characteristics, the economic and competitive environment, and attitudes and expectations of bank leadership. So, uh, for example, we found that um, larger community banks and community banks with higher loan-to-asset ratios and higher growth were greater technology adopters. Uh, similarly, community banks that faced greater competition and those um, whose leadership had more optimistic expectations about the future also were more likely to adopt technology. Are we at a moment where community banks really must adopt technology or else? Well, I think so. Yes, I think so. Um, you know, there are a number of studies showing the growing use of technology. Our own How America Banks study, which we released early, uh, late last year, um, shows uh, a significant uh, trend in uh, customer use of mobile banking. Um, and I think those trends are only going to uh, continue. So yes, I think um, community banks are definitely faced with the need to um, adopt technology and uh, new technology. And, and that, that is definitely one of their challenges uh, given their um, smaller size. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shana, now that we've established how important community banks are uh, to the health of our economy, and specifically in certain sectors like small businesses, small business lending, uh, commercial real estate, uh, farm loans, um, are they healthy themselves? Absolutely, Brian. Uh, community banks have reported positive financial performance during this period of economic recovery that the study covers from 2012 to 2019. Um, in particular, one measure of earnings that we reference in the study is pre-tax return on assets, or the ROA ratio. And this ratio for community banks has steadily improved during the study period of 2012 to 2019. Mm -hmm. In other words, community banks are narrowing this earnings gap relative to non-community banks. Community banks have 
also benefited from wider net interest margins and better asset quality metrics uh, that are superior to those of non-community banks. Hmm. Now, uh, I think it's important to, uh, to point out as well that despite these positive trends, community bank earnings do continue to lag non-community banks. And this is primarily a result of the fact that community banks are generating lower volumes of non-interest income. This is uh, trading income and other investment income primarily from business lines that are just not traditionally a focus of the community banking model. Mm -hmm. Still a gap, but a more narrow gap. Definitely. Okay. Diane, you get the last word here. I know this report focused on community banks uh, from 2012 through 2019, but is there anything in this study that tells us how community banks are holding up during our public health crisis and all the economic fallout? Well, uh, for each of our six chapters, we did have uh, a mention. We, we tried to acknowledge the role um, that the uh, pandemic and the economic fallout might have in that area. You know, despite the fact that this is pandemic has been going on for some time now, um, there's still a great deal of uncertainty as to how it's going to affect banks. Thus far, um, I think it's fair to say that community banks have uh, faced the challenges and uncertainty and are holding up well. And frankly, that goes for banks of all sizes. Um, but we expect that there still are challenges on the horizon that are going to take some time to play out. Um, for example, credit quality. That's probably a more near-term challenge. We, we would anticipate challenges for certain lending portfolios, such as commercial real estate or small business lending, which, as I mentioned earlier, right. um, community banks specialize in. Um, over the longer run, there could be demographic and structural changes. Um, so if people move away from cities to rural areas where there are where, where mostly community bank where, where there are many community banks, um, some community banks may find new growth opportunities that didn't exist before. Um, it, back to technology, um, community banks that have adopted technology may be better positioned to respond to the demand for contactless ways of uh, doing business. So I would have to say that you know there's still just a lot of uncertainty, and we're going to be um, paying close attention um, as, as as things play out. Right, right. Well, if you want to read more about the state of our nation's community banks, visit FDIC's website, fdic.gov, and search Community Banking Study. Diane Ellis, Shana Oleshik, thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Pleasure thank to be you, here. Thank you, Brian.